Hi everyone, Steve Perriman here. Thank you for joining the Steve Perriman podcast again. Uh, I know that we're all feeling a bit dejected after the weekend's events, um, especially the passing of the wonderful, the great Jimmy Greaves. And a well, Jimmy was a great colleague and friend of, of all of us. And um, and also the, the disappointing result against Chelsea, which we may talk about later if we don't want to depress ourselves, but uh, maybe maybe we won't. Um, so myself, uh, Kim, with Howard and Viv were at the game, but only because um, well that that that's myself and Kim. We was only there because I was given very kindly four places in the H round, so I had to slum it with Ozzy and Ledley and uh, I'd banter all through the meal, a very nice meal. Wasn't it, Howard? Fantastic. Really good. Great meal. So um, so thank you to my friend for giving us those four places. I won't name him because he might start getting emails and letters um, for next time that he decides to go to Portugal. But he knows we've thanked him, Howard. So, um, yeah, great one today. We've got a very special guest. We've got Paul Coit, who we happily saw back on the hallowed turf yesterday. So welcome, Paul. Thanks, Steve. And How are uh, you? Howard and Tom, I'm really well. Yeah, very well. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for asking me. Honestly, it is an honor to be asked by you to well, join to join this. So thank you. It's a it's our it's our pleasure. And um just before we start, I want to pay tribute to the Southeast Thames Spurs, Mr. Steve Button, who heard my plea last time. I had to go all the way to New Zealand for a Spurs shirt. Um, Kiwi Spurs kindly gave me one when I was over there talking to them. Uh, so thank you, Steve. Uh, and I wore it this morning on breakfast, breakfast TV when they kindly asked me to go on and talk about Jimmy Greaves, which was which was an absolute pleasure to talk about him. So, um, but we, we'll carry that on just now. So. Paul, as I said, very, very welcome to you. Uh, we're delighted to to have you on, on this podcast. And I suppose I, I don't know the answer to this. Paul, when did your association start with Spurs? Not necessarily doing the job that you've we yep. know you as. Sure. Where, but where did it start back, back when? Started with my dad. His dad was um, Spurs fan. So my granddad, Joe, was a bus driver and he was a Spurs fan. He went to the 1921 Cup final and he, it's, he's been in the family. You know, they grew up in Hackney and um, he'd been a Spurs fan all his life, then passed on to his three sons, uh, one of which was my dad and my dad, Les, and he was a huge Tottenham fan. So then obviously it passed down to that. And it was when we did the, the last stuff at the finale. And I wrote the lines about when when we closed White Hart Lane, and I said it's all about the love of passing the you know passing this love of this club through the through the ages. That's what happened to me, and and that's what it was all about. And my dad had only passed away like three months before, and so every that was very resonant with me. So it's always been in the family. I mean, my granddad always used to tell me um, he had a budgerigar called Joey who used to say up the Spurs, top of the league. So how it, I don't know, but he used to have this budget. I used to do this. So the first time I ever did the half time thing, 
This was what, 2003. And I was out on the pitch and I'd done it and I didn't know what to say at the end. So I've gone, uh, that's it. Thanks very much. And um, up the Spurs, because I thought that's what my granddad always used to say to me. He used to talk about the budget. He always used to go up the Spurs, up the Spurs. So that's where that came from. So it's always been in the family and it's just yeah. run. Um, and, and he used and my dad used to come. He used to take me. And then when he got older, then luckily for the last few years of his life, when I was working at Spurs, he would come in with me and he got to meet all you guys and everything, which was just the most amazing thing for him. So, um, yeah, it's completely in the family. Just to put this in perspective, how old are you, Paul? 54. Sorry, 36. Yeah, 36. <laughs> I, I thought I was asking Paul quite that question. Vivian, <laughs> Vivian answered that question, Howard. <laughs> 36 years of age. There you go. So, uh, yeah, 54. She's got longevity on you because she's, she's stayed at that number for a very long time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And have you ever watched another team? Have you ever had to work for another club, for instance, but for any length of time, just not on a one-off? No, I, th- I think the only other things I ever did was through Mullers, and he asked me to do something at Brighton for him, and this was a, um, and this was when he, I think it was a, it was a celebration dinner for him as manager. So I did that and then went along and, and did that for him. But there was loads of old Spurs people there, of course, anyway, because of the link there with Brighton, even Phil Beale and and um, and Paul Barber were there. And so there was that link. Yeah. And I've done stuff for, at Wembley for England games. And I'll tell, tell you what I did. I, I did the FA Cup final. I did about five or six FA Cup finals for Wembley. So I'd host the hospitality like I would at Spurs. Yeah. And the problem was the first one I did, I think the first two or three, Arsenal were involved in this. So I had to be keep a completely straight bat. And I've tried to keep the whole thing going. I keep a straight bat. I'm absolutely fine. So I'm thinking, it's all right. This is work. You know, just keep keep going straight. So be then professional. It got, yeah, exactly. But then when it got to the point when Arsenal got the cup and I'm standing right there, <laughs> I walked out because I couldn't <laughs> stand it any longer. So we're all going to have to go. And I'm going, well done. And I said, I can't take it anymore. And I had to go. So I just, I just couldn't take it. So I couldn't, you know, there's, there's no other club. It'd just be, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. That's a real, that's a real Spurs fan. (laughs) Howard, back me up on that one. Listen, before I, before I introduce Howard and I've not left Tom out, I'm going to bring Tom in later. Um, Howard, despite us all feeling a bit dejected, went to bed at 5am this morning, Howard. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? So my son, Brett, is a writer, actor, comedian, stand-up comic, uh, pop podcast expert, etc. He's a very talented young man. And he, he got a, a job working on, the, on a, a new TV show called Ted Lasso, which is made, mostly made in the States and half made in the UK. And he was working with the team, it was very good. And then he got in the idea that he thought he should he could take one of the roles that had not yet been given to anybody. He wanted he thought thought he could do a great job. So this is very awkward. If you can imagine you're sitting around a table with writers, most of whom would rather be performers, because that's where the money is. Yeah. Um, but they're stuck in the in the in the artist's in the writer's room just discussing words. And um he anyway he sent he made he made a de- demo of, his, of himself as six six scenes from the show with him as the captain of the team Roy Kent. Roy Kent getting famous. 
So very quickly, they, they took a look at this and said, yes, definitely, they wanted him. So he became Roy Kent, as well as continuing to be the writer. So he writes all his own dialogue. He writes any other dialogue that's involved with, with Kent. And uh, he is an aging player, about to retire at the beginning of the series. And he is... No old. wonder he spoke to me, Howard. No wonder he had an interview with me for about three hours. I knew he came from somewhere, and, that, and you just reminded me. So. Nothing to do with the swearing, though, my, my part. <laughs> so he became Roy Kent, and since then, there's been a complete series made of the show, and they're halfway through the second series now. And the reaction to this show is quite phenomenal, far more than anything any of us involved in ever, ever dreamed about. Yes, we thought it was a good show. Yes, we thought it was quite sharp and quite clever. But this... Hundreds of millions of viewers, with the far and away the biggest streaming sh show that uh, Apple have, had, have produced so far, just amazing. So last night was the M the M Mummy Awards, which is the TV equivalent to the Oscars, and the, you get nom various things nominated, and then you get a winner on the on the night. And last night was the award ceremony, and Ted Lasso Ted Lasso got twenty nominations in various categories, which is just amazing. Mm -hmm which included Best Supporting Actor for Brett, and Brett won that, as well as being with the Bonsemble stuff. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well done, Howard. Well done, Viv. Viv's not listening, is she? No. I doubt if she can get her head through that door. <laughs> uh, so congratulations. Well done. Pass our best wishes on to Brett, please. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic achievement. Tom, what about you? Are you famous in any way? Not anymore. <laughs> no, I've always been one who clings to the coattails of the actual famous people and just do do things for them. Well done. Has Paul um, turned you on with regard to Tottenham over the years? Has he turned me on with regard to yeah. Tottenham? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I can't imagine half times without Paul. Um, it's he's definitely become part of uh, part of um, the, the match day experience, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, for 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 many years now, so um, so yeah, it's uh, it's felt a bit weird this season, not 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 seeing Paul there. So it was great to see him there yesterday, and I think the reception he got um, from the from the fans uh, showed showed how, how how much he means to to, to the Spurs faithful who go that's, who go who go who go to matches. That said, it all didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Was it good to be back yesterday, Paul? Unbelievable. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> I mean, it was real. Lump of the, I've never, I never expected any of that. Of course not. You know, I'm not a player. I've never, I know, I know people that do the job that I do and they, and they, and they almost believe they're part of the, oh, we're one of the players with this. I've, I think you know me well. I've never, ever, I just, I'm just, a, I'm a fan and feel extremely privileged to, to do it and to be there. And, um, and especially with, with the whole Jimmy Greaves situation, and also to be, you know, working with you, Steve, and speak to you. It was incredible. And then to hear the crowd go, because I'm looking around, I'm thinking, no, no, that's they're obviously cheering someone else. <laughs> but it was, it was great to be back. Yeah, of course it was. And do you think it might lead to more, more appearances or is, is that? Just I to think, be, yeah, to be I, decided? I, I, I think so. I mean, we're, we're, where, where we are at the moment, I, I think so. I think we'll, we'll work something out. There's, there's so many different reasons and different things that have gone on and there's no falling out. I mean, the thing is, I was at a, when, when, when we did the, the, the 81 dinner a week ago, 
the amount of people that came up to me. And, you know, it's so funny because I spoke to Glenn um, that night and I said, I'm hearing all these rumors. And I said, all these people are coming up and telling me all these different things that I've done. And he just, <laughs> and, and I've not done, he said, welcome to my world. And I thought, yeah, there you go. So there was one fella that said, came up and said, oh yeah, I heard what you did. I said, what? He said, I heard you slam you, you slammed the phone down on them, didn't you? They phoned you up. And said, I said, no, where'd you get that from? Oh, that's what I heard. Another one says, Oh, I heard the reason that you're not doing half times because you've been selling stories, selling stories for the papers. So I said, you probably know more about what's going on than I am. So no, that's not true. All these different bits and pieces, nothing sinister in it at all. So hopefully moving on, you know, there'll be more, which would be great. Mm. And it's obvious that you don't have to do any homework when the Jimmy Greaves no. story happens, is it? It's you've You've lived through that. Over yeah, the, over the years. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a little bit too young to have seen him play, but obviously I've followed the legend all through the years because I knew from when I was a little boy. Funny enough, I mean, it's a bizarre thing for a 12-year-old to read, but I think This One's On Me was actually the first first biography or autobiography I ever read when it came out in 1979 because it was about Jimmy Greaves. You know, there was yeah. so much about the alcoholism and, and on all the, those sides of his life, which is a 12 year old, but I was completely enthralled by the story of this man. Yeah. So I knew about that before then St. and Greavesy came. And I think we mentioned that yesterday. There's a whole, uh, so there was a whole era of, of kids that are grown, grown up in the eighties that only really knew Jimmy as a TV star and yeah. didn't really know what he was because I don't know about you, because he looked so different, didn't he? And he didn't seem exactly a, a, the unbelievable player that he was. And I think once he came off TV, then another generation now yeah. sees him as the great footballer. So there was that yeah. generation in the middle. Yeah, he didn't look fit enough on St. Greasy, did he? Even with the perm. Even with, even with the perm. <laughs> he tried to level down, didn't he? But it, yeah, yeah. it didn't quite happen. Yeah. Howard, do you want to give us some memories of Jimmy Greaves, please? Love Not to. saying you're old, Howard, but... <laughs> I am, don't worry. <laughs> um, Steve, uh, Jimmy Greaves was, from my generation, the player, the man, the one that you idolised. Um, and it seems to be somewhere between the Second, Second World War and you've got the teams coming back and they've left some space for some character. And Jimmy arrives on the scene. He plays his first game at, strangely enough, at Stamford Bridge, at rather at White Hart Lane, but against Tottenham, where he was a Chelsea player from the beginning. Um, I can't tell you much about the next few years because he was a Chelsea player and I wasn't interested. <laughs> but of course, from 1961, we brought him back from Chelsea. And from that point on, he was my absolute idol. Um, I was lucky enough to be at what I three, consider his three greatest goals, one against Manchester United, where he turned on a sixpence and went back through their defence. Similar one where um, probably the best of them, all against Leicester City, with Shilton yeah. in goal. And Jimmy picked up the ball right on the halfway line, turned in one movement, went through the entire Leicester side, came back and did a couple, a couple more turns around a few players until eventually started slotting it home. And the other one was, I believe, Jimmy tackled Stevie tackled Jimmy, which is a dangerous thing to do. And the ball ran free for Monker, who went, who Jimmy just went straight through, got through him and scored. And I made that goal. And you made that goal. I got yeah. under Monker just really to try and win a tackle, win possession of the ball. And it ended up, happened to go about 45 degree angle and found Jimmy as if I'd passed it there. What an well, assist. 
What an assist. It's like um, so, it's like Vertonghen's for Son's wonder goal against yeah. Burnley. Yeah, it's a little bit like Jason Candy's goal. Where was that <laughs> goal? Ipswich, Portman <laughs> Road. Ipswich, well. Steve, do you remember, or what are you like of remembering games? Because I know there are some players that remember everything and yeah. others that go, no idea. What, what are you like? If someone throws a, um, a game at you, are you, do you remember it straight away? I'm closer to everything, but not quite everything. Right, okay. So then all of a sudden you get the reminded by certain bits of film. And thankfully the people that make in the Jimmy Grease film that came out about a year ago or yeah. maybe even two, um, they sent me that Newcastle goal. Yeah. And for some reason, Moncur is coming through with a ball from centre-back. And I sort of ambushed him from behind the referee. So he didn't see me coming. And I tackled with my left foot, which is sort of unheard of. And I won the tackle, won the ball, and it shoots off in their direction, our attacking direction. And Jimmy picks it up and turns and does what Jimmy Greaves does, which is beats people and waits for them to recover. He, Jimmy Greaves knows, knew exactly what the defender was trying to do and where he had to get, he had to get between the ball and the goalkeeper. And once you got on that line, Jimmy just come inside you. It was pure, pure art. And um, yeah, wonderful man. I'm, I'm, I'm so disappointed that we've lost him, but in a way I'm happy for him and his family because mm. he's, um, he's resting peacefully. What more do you want for you? You know, one of the, best players you've ever played with and a great name at Tottenham Hotspur. And, and um, yeah, I've, I've managed to see him in lots of different situations. Of course, for six months I played with him and then I ended up having quite a lot to do with him in his uh, after dinner spell and theater spell. And I used to get there about an hour early than I was needed and just sit there and listen to him. It was great, just great. And the, the best thing for me was this, this huge superstar of a player, of a talent. Um, I'm living in Exeter at the time, I'm helping. And he knew our last result. He knew where we were in the league. He knew if we had a player that people fancied, he was on top of it. Now, of course, he probably read read up on Exeter because I'm going to meet him in a in a week's time or so. But I just found him so. Um, I said on TV this morning, I'm there to listen to him, and at times he listened to me. And what a great thing that is when you listen to someone. And I, I felt hugely hugely re- re- respected by him, and that's a that's a great thing with me, respect mm-hmm. and. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy was just great. So when did you actually start? Um, when did you start? How did you get the job at Spurs originally? It was, gosh, so it was 2003. And what had happened is that I had um, had season tickets. Yeah. And then we stopped going. So this is where my dad was, was first ill. So I stopped going. I was living in Chiswick. So I was living right over on the other side of London at that time. And it came about, i tell you what it was. It was my wife um, 
at the time, she, well, she's from Norwich, and it was the first time Spurs had played Norwich in a long time, and I hadn't been to Spurs in like a year. And I worked with, you know, David Jensen, Kid Jensen. You know the yeah. DJ? Yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, hey. So I said to him, do you know any, because he, you know, he's well-connected, I said, do you know anybody at Spurs? Because I, I just want to buy some tickets, you know, because I want to go to the Norwich game. I want to take my wife and and take my dad. And he said, hey, you know, I know this guy. You know, I know this Mike Rollo, and he's he's in charge of the commercial. Bar. Let me make a call for you. So I said, oh, well, that's really kind. Thanks very much. Anyway, then Mike phones me. And luckily, because I was working at, at Capital, uh, Capital Gold at the time, um, a, a DJ there, and then he phoned me and said, um, yeah, look, we'd be you know, more than happy. Um, would you, how would you feel about hosting in one of the lounges? And I swear this was completely out of the blue. How would you feel about hosting in one of the lounge, lounges? And I went, what, you're you, you, you kidding me? And he said, no, 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 no. no. If, you know, I think it would be good. And, you know, bring, I tell you what, bring your wife, bring your dad and come along and, and meet all the players. And for me... You know what? And this is it. And, and and Steve, you would have seen this. People of my age, if they've never met you before, because it's when you're a kid, you always have the heroes of whoever you are. When you're a kid, it always stays there. If you never meet them, whoever it is. So anyway, I went along, and because he then he said, "Oh yeah, by the way, any chance you could fill in for Martin Chivers?" And I'm like, "What? What do you mean? I can't fill in. What, what are you talking about?" So anyway, I went along. <laughs> Met everybody, and I was just, I was nervous as hell. I'd, I'd interview film stars, I'd interview pop stars, I'd done the lot. But when I met people that played in the first team I ever saw, which was Spurs, Queens Park Rangers on the 14th of February, 1976, and lost 3-0, anybody that was in that side, I was like this. And I was like, because I went back to being eight or nine years old again. So that was it. So I thought, I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't blow. I'm going to blow it. So they want me to do something on the stage. Or I couldn't, I, I, how am I going to do it? I couldn't enjoy the game. So then they said, well, can you go up and do the man of the match interview? And then as soon as I got, it's what you're used to, isn't it? As soon as I yeah. got the microphone in my hand, yeah. I was fine. It all disappeared. And it was, it was easy for me. And they said, well, this is great. Can you come back next week? And that's, that was it. And every week it just went on from there. And then they said, can you come and do the pitch at half time? And, Oh, I couldn't do that. First time I stepped on the pitch at YR Lane, I put my foot on the pitch. And I, this is absolutely true. I got such bad head rush because I didn't realise how overwhelmed I would be by seeing myself up on the big screen walking across. And I forgot how to walk. I actually thought I was going to pass out because I was so excited. I was completely overwhelmed by it. <laughs> so, it. So that was it. And it just went from there. And and it's just they never, you know, they 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 just kept saying, come back next week. Never took it for granted. Still never took it for granted. Every season I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be the last one. I'm still getting away with this. Still getting away with this. And, and that was it. Yeah. Um, Tom, any, anything for Paul, please? Yeah. So as a, as a kind of form, former season ticket holder and a fan, um, you know, I've, well, I've, I've been asked on more than one occasion to come and play some music in the new, in the new place. Um, yeah. And and I, and I just won't because my match day experience is too sacred. Yeah. And, and I have wondered, I thought about you in the past wondering like, what must it be like to be watching a game, enjoying a game, um, but knowing you've got to do work at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got yeah. To do, you've got to do this. You've got to do yeah. that. It's non-negotiable. Yeah. How, has, how has your job affected your enjoyment of Spurs games in that way? Or, or has it not? Do you just... That's a br- it's a brilliant question because it hasn't affected my enjoyment. Of, I just say that. It does a bit because I am sort of thinking I've got to do this. And if you've seen me often, I've got cards in front of me which I never use. I never use them. I always have to have them a backup. It doesn't matter if I'm on the radio or anything. I spend hours writing stuff. So I know I've got it all there. And then when I do it, 
I don't need them, but it's always there as like that, that tool. So they're, they're often there and I think, oh, I could do that, I could do that. Never do it. Always make it up on the, on the spot. Oh. But I tell you where it does affect me is that I can't remember any bloody games. I'm terrible. If someone says to me, what was the score? My son does it. What was the score, Dad, when we played last week? And I'll go, I can't remember. Who scored? I can't remember. And I enjoy the game, but I think it's because my head is in the job that's when I forget. If I go to away games and I take him to away games quite a lot and just, just go in normally, I'll remember everything about it. I remember all the games yeah. that I saw Steve play. I saw, you know, going back years, I remember all those. But working there, it's completely different because I just, I think, it's be, I think that's what it is because I'm concentrating on, although I think I'm concentrating on the game, there's more going on. So then I'm more likely to forget it. Either that or I'm just getting, <laughs> I'm just getting old. It's one mm. of those. But um, it, when, when it's a great game, it doesn't, it, I just, I'm just in on the game. Totally. Howard, do you remember what happened before Paul on the pitch? Um, I do know that I think there's a number of different potential DJs filling in the role. The one that I, the only one that I recall was Gary Stevens, mm. who, who did it for a while after he initially retired. He from did, the didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. And, I had the Radio um, 1 DJ. Not our Gary Stevens. No, our Gary no Stevens. it was. It was our Gary Stevens, yeah. Wow. And I thought he Ooh, did. Ooh, Gary uh, Stevens. <laughs> I thought he did a reasonable job, but uh, they, did, they didn't keep him for too long. Okay. But I, I know, he, you know Gary's a very particular, particularly correct boy. Yes. If, if he agreed the terms with them, he'd expect those terms to be met. Yeah. I remember doing the deck chair challenge. Um, there was that, and Willie Morgan was was the main guy before me. You remember Willie, Willie um, yeah. Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and and I still hear from Willie from time to time. And he, yeah, he was he was he was there. And um, but yeah, I think at the time I can't remember who it was, but it just came sort of out of the blue, and it was only just to do hospitality. That was the original thing. And then it yes. was only afterwards. Then they said, look, I think I did a year or so of that. And then it's like, yeah, can you go and do this stuff on the pitch afterwards? But it it literally was. Um, who's in today? And and they'd say, well, anybody in? And I go, oh, yeah, well, yeah, so-and-so's in. Oh, we'll bring him down. And that's how I'd often get guests because when I'd do a radio show and someone would come in and then I'd say, are you a Spurs fan? And this happened with Michael McIntyre. I said, is it true you're a Spurs fan? He said, yeah. I said, well, why don't you come to a game? Come out and we'll do something at half time. Brilliant. And um, he nearly lost my bloody job. He did. He absolutely, he was unbelievable. Because I don't know if you know that story about Michael no, McIntyre. No, go on. Give us it. Oh, geez. So anyway, came in and he's very much like, he's probably calmed down a bit, but at the time, I think he was the most neurotic person I've ever met in my life. And he came in and he was all, all fidgety and stuff. And I'm saying, well, yeah, okay. And I, he's, so I said, well, we're just, we're in the, um, in the Oak Room, I think it was, at White Hart Lane. And I said, well, I'll, we'll get on stage and I'll just ask you a few questions. What are you going to ask me? So I said, I, I don't know. I said, I never know. He said, well, you, you've got to know what I'm going to ask you. I, I, what am I going to do? And I said, well, you know, we'll just wing it. It'll be fine. And this is a really sharp comic. And he's going, well, I, I don't know. And I said, well, he said, what are you going to ask me? I said, honestly, I don't know from one day to the next. Instead, I'm not asking from one fucking day to the next. I want to know now. What are you going to ask me? So I said, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, we went up on stage. The guy gets up there. He was hilarious. As everybody in fits of laughter gets off. And then he gets back. He's going, how was it? Was it funny? Do you think that was working? Oh, I'm like, Jesus. So anyway, then we get to do the thing at halftime. And this is when we were giving away the opus. And... Um, and I'm saying, right, all you've got to do is just make the draw and pull it, and that's it. We were playing Manchester United that day. So he comes out, and I can hear in the background, don't ask me anything, don't ask me anything, I, I can't speak, I can't speak. 
So anyway, I introduce him, Michael McIntyre. How are you, Michael? And then he just goes into this crazy thing and goes, I, before I tell you who the winner is, I'll tell you who the loser is. And this is the first game that Demetar Berbatov have played for Manchester United since leaving Spurs. I'll tell you who the loser is. It's Berbatov. And the whole crowd goes, way like that. And I'm like, Jesus, what am I done? I remember looking in the camera going, I am so sorry. So I thought, <laughs> I've brought this guy along. They're going to get rid of me. He starts running up and down the line. Anyway, I phoned his agent. I'm saying this is never again. So now, where do you find him at every Spurs game? He's in the boardroom. Yeah. He's part of the furniture. Um, but at the time, I thought, God, it was, it, honestly, it was just, it was just terrible. It's almost like standing on the pitch at Wembley and someone dropping an F-bomb with me, Steve, if ever I ever did an interview with someone, it was who, almost like that would happen. Who would do that? I would never, honestly, just in case it ever did, no one would ever dream of doing that. Absolutely. Especially not a captain of the club. But, but you know, it was, <laughs> it was, it was something else. So, yeah, that was just one of them. <laughs> Please don't remind me of that. I was, I'm very rarely in the ballroom. I got invited there for uh, the 50th anniversary of my debut. Yeah. I was sat next to Michael McIntyre. Oh, yeah. Who had his 13, 14 year old son. Mm. who was a miniature Michael. Yeah. Same hairstyle, same haircut, yeah. et cetera. And we were talking and he, he just asked me about some various theories. And I said, well, you know, you, you might like Alan Sugar, but I'm telling you, he, he, they cut the water off the player's bus going to yeah. away games. They cut the water. They wanted you and the players to drink the water <laughs> out of the window washer <laughs> they expected yeah. you to drink that water well yeah. as you know he just goes into yeah yeah, yeah 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 so incredibly funny very, very funny very, fella. Very yeah, funny yeah. how i'd understand you have a michael mcintyre memory so uh, a friend of mine who i had did some business with um it was his 50th birthday and he wanted to be as lovish as he could and he took over the alliance the transport museum in, in the government which was great wow and various other things and one of the other things was that michael mcintyre did a whole set just for this group of people wonderful my friend, my friend and his 50th birthday wow and it was very good but and he clearly um enjoyed himself but as soon as the sort of whistle went and he finished gone he out the door yeah yeah, I wish I'd have done that at Mickey Hazard's do the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Steve, well, let me, can I can I ask you a question? What, what, what's it like when, when you have that, and then you get the because these days you get people that sell and they come to you with a stack of stuff. Because I know you sign pretty much everything for everybody, but it's got to mm. be tricky, isn't it? When it just continues and continues. And also, does your autograph get less and less as no. you go on? That, that won't ever happen. Can you still do that, though? Can you still do the same signature after about a 1,000? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, we had a laugh yesterday, Howard, didn't we, with Ozzy? Yeah. yeah. On, the, on the table where we were eating because um, I was telling them the story that where the, the club we, we were at in Japan, hmm. there's about 70, 80 people used to turn up every day to watch the training. And they would all sit at the outside of the big nets that surrounded the pitch. And then out of respect, because we're in Japan, you, well, you'd do it anywhere. 
as you're driving out, I'm Aussie's driving, I'm passenger. Um, half the people would queue around Aussie's side and half around my side. And as they get one, they'd go around and join the other queue. And I was always about 20 minutes or more taking longer than Aussie. Yeah. Aussie would be finished and I'd still have 30 people to do. Steve, you're not making love to the piece of paper. (laughs) Just bloody sign it, will you? Just sign it. So he showed Howard and Vivian um, a copy of how he signed and how I signed. T's, dots. That's proper, though. That's that's a proper signature you're doing uh, there. That's what it's all about. You want to be able to read... What you got? I mean, you Surely. get signatures these days. It's a squiggle with, and even you can't even read the number these days. Not yeah, even I mean, it's the like number. you can't even. Is that how they sign stuff anywhere? For, if, I'd say a checkbook. I don't think anybody has a checkbook anymore. But it's like you know, did you have different a different signature for autographs to your checkbook, or was it always the same one? Because yes, I did two I, different I, I, ones. Different, two different ones. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, yeah. I just wondered why it, it never went through. Okay, that's the only reason. <laughs> just one. <wondering. laughs> Oh, yeah, yes. There's best wishes on there as well. <laughs> yeah, the, prob- the problem with those sort of evenings, and they're great because this is the supporter's chance to get close to you. Yeah. And however much Mickey wants to scream over the microphone, sit down, this is not the time, etc. And all the right messages, they want to be close to you. The only mm. way they can get close to you, which is very respectful that they want to, mm. is by an autograph, and a photo and they can't get that sat down can they yeah true so they're not going to sit down and i mean i know for glenn and people like maxi signed one every 15 minutes (laughs) but uh you know they these people really didn't want you to eat they didn't want you to go to the toilet and walk back that would take an hour half out to get there half out to get back and i was right by the door so should have took a minute. And um, I actually said to one chap, you really want me to sign that instead of eating that food that's waiting for me on the table? Mm. He said, just this one. Yeah. <laughs> and there was about 20, 30 people behind him. So I said, what do you think of him saying just this one? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, of course. So, Paul, what, what you up to now? You're doing the radio stuff? Yeah, still doing um, still doing the radio early, um, five till six every morning on Talksport. So um, I'm yeah, sure you're time. all up, you're all up at that time. I only get up at three a.m. straight in on the air at five, off at six, back to bed, back up a bit later. So I've already I've already since I last saw you, I've actually seen two weeks, and it's only been two days. But um, <laughs> but I love it. I mean, it's that's what I've always done. So it, I, I love. I just love. Doing this sort of stuff, I love chat. You, you know, I love to chat, and I love yeah. to chat, and I'm always interested in people, and um, and especially talking about sport. I mean, it's a crazy way to earn a living. So you know, as long as that carries, I'll be very. And happy. You're available for gigs. You're always question weddings, answers. bar mitzvahs, you name it, anything. Always available. Of course, come and get me. <laughs> yes, come and get me. You got a we only do coming about... up, Howard. Sorry. No. <laughs> Howard's past that, even with grandchildren, he's past yeah. that. Well, no, it's coming in the future, Howard, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah three and five years, don't worry about it. Howard's and, got a family full of Spurs supporters. And he's got a new grandchild, Emmy, that's going to come along and, and, and join you very soon then, Howard, which is pretty exciting. Very good. <laughs> wow. Are we wow. going to see it behind you, Howard, in the next podcast? 
If you was, I can see, I can see <laughs> it fit, <laughs> fitting there nicely in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, last question because we're going to roll this up. Um, Paul, hmm. what what's the strangest um, interview you've done? It's been a, there's been a few weird ones. I remember having to interview Chirpy that when Chirpy had a new girlfriend called Lily, uh, the, uh, the, the cockerel, which by the way, is still one of the funniest things. I still remember standing there in, in the tunnel at White Hart Lane and there were all these, uh, all the kids were lined up there that were going to be mascots and Diane who looked after the mascots. And she said, um, she was saying, I still speak to this little boy, a cute little kid. And I remember, and, and she said, um, yeah, what you've got to do is when the players come out, just follow Chirpy all the way around. And he went, who's Chirpy? I went, that's Chirpy. And he went, what? The giant turkey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so no, I remember that. But I remember Chirpy once and, and Lily, I had to do an interview. Oh, God, it was just... So they had to... Do you remember the, the old Bob Dylan subterranean homesick blues video where he would have the, you know, Johnny's down the basement, fix other man. So it was like that. So Lily would have answers on cards. I would ask a question and then... You can see this is going down in flames already. I could see this yeah. holding up these things until they realized about two minutes before that she couldn't actually hold a card with her wings. And it honestly, it just went from bad to worse. I'm asking questions. I'm thinking, what am I asking questions for? I'm not even getting any answers. And the, and the other one was we, we shaved Ledley once for Movember. So Ledley King was going to be shaved for Movember and we're going to do it at halftime. So he'd, he'd grown this, he'd grown this mustache. And then on the last day of November, we'd have a barber would come out and do all this stuff and then shave it. Anyway, I didn't realize how precious the barber was about how he was shaving. So he puts, we bring out a chair, he sits in the chair and I'm saying, okay, so Lily, you're going to shave him? And he's going, no, I have to, uh, I have to prepare the skin first. So I'm saying, okay, fine. So anyway, he's doing all this. And then he's going, but I have to put the hot towels on before I do the rest of it. So he's put the, <laughs> put the hot towels on. And I'm like, I'm thinking, Christ, we've got 35,000 people waiting here. So I said, well, you just shave him for Christ's sake. And he's going, <laughs> but I haven't put the cream on. It will not come up properly. So anyway, so by the time he's done it, I've got this razor. I'm saying, will you just shave him? And, uh, and he's going, so then the players are coming out and he hasn't even started shaving. So I just remember that's like the longest time of just staring there, looking into the camera, just thinking, what, what, what can I do? What, what can I do? But it's just one of those crazy. It was, I mean, now I look back and just think hilarious. It was just so funny and ridiculous, but that was, yeah. that was it. Yeah. Just, just give me Cliff Jones anytime. That's all I can say. Oh, bless. I, I think um, Cliff was distraught that he wasn't there yesterday. I I'll bet think, he was. I, I don't think he was on the roster. So the people that happened to be there, Phil yeah. Bill, for instance, was there as a guest. That's I right. was there as, with someone else's tickets. Mm. So we all ended up, of course, coming out in respect of Jimmy. Um, but the certain people that weren't invited who normally work there, Cliff Jones was distraught. And I, I mm. feel really sorry for him that he, he, he couldn't be on that pitch to, to stand there you know, in salute of, of the great man. See, if I'd have had my way, we would have done that. And everybody that we knew, it would have been bigger. And, and it would have been. But of course, you called me and, and this was, I was standing in a football pitch in Dagenham watching my boy play Dagenham. football. And Dagenham. that was, and I'm thinking this is, it's Chelsea Spurs. I'm in Dagenham at the moment. You know, when you just think this is very spooky and, and real Jimmy Greaves territory. And it was, and, and it because it was so late, 
it was very difficult to try and pull as big a thing as we would have wanted together. Yes. Yes, so that was why we spoke and, and then it was like, well, who do you want? I said, well, I, I Phil's at the game, so let's bring Phil in. And so Pat, sure. it would have been great. If, in fact, it was just it was just one of those things. But for for what we could do in such in such a short space of time, you know, I, I think we did the best we could. Paul, us three are supporters of yours. We like what you've done for the club. We've I appreciate that. Uh, you've much. helped the players over the past, the ex players. So well done. I'm going to leave us all with a a telling story about Jimmy Greaves. This is Pat Jenny's story. So he gets brought to the club for not that much money from Watford and he's going to replace Bill Brown who won the double and he started to make a few appearances when Bill wasn't fit and then Bill came back into the team and he's settling in Pat but the crunch comes and he starts and it's not going great Steve. This is what it's telling me. It's not going great. And this one particular game, I made two horrendous mistakes. And we lost the game. And we're walking off the pitch. And no one was booing me, but I knew. And Jimmy Greaves come up to me, put his arm, not around his shoulders, I don't think he could reach, but mm-hmm. put, put his arm around his body and said, son, you are going to be one of the greatest goalkeepers this world has ever seen. Wow. So do, do yourself a favour. Forget it. On to the next. Pat said, can you imagine when someone of the stature of Jimmy Greaves does that to you? How that makes you feel. So Jimmy was a good judge as well. Brilliant. What a great good story. Judge. Great so, story. Tom, thank you for your work. Howard, thank you for your stories and well done to, to Brett. And um, we hope that you uh, join us next week, everyone. Big, big... Uh, Arsenal Tottenham Derby next weekend so let's hope for the best there and um, yeah thanks for listening well done Paul thank you and when can I come back I'll come back whenever you want you call me back please come back I'll be back whenever you want me (laughs) come on you Spurs thank you very much